I hear organizations all the time say, oh, we want to be nimble. But what they mean by that is we don't want to have any parameters. And so we're easily blown by the wind. Welcome to the Center for Generosity podcast. I'm Mitzi Schaefer, a consultant at GSB Fundraising and your host. On each episode, we work to equip generosity leaders by tackling a single topic related to growing generosity. Together, we answer the three most critical questions for success. Today, we're going to be wrapping up a five-week series on board development, and we're going to talk about strategic planning with our friend, um, Evan Moylan, who was here before talking with us about wealth screening. Hi, Evan. Welcome. Hi, Mitzi. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, so strategic planning. Um, I'm sure we have some po- some folks asking, like, what does that have to do with board development? And I know we're going to dive in um, to all of those things. Um, but as you know, um, on this podcast, our goal is to answer the three most critical questions and not to waste anyone's time. So I want to get started Um by just kind of letting letting folks know, you know, as consultants, often um, we hear from people, yeah, strategic planning, it's just not my thing, or <laughs> I'm not sure, I don't like it, it just feels complicated and maybe a waste of time. So um, as we know, it can leave a bad taste in some people's mouths if they've had a bad experience along the way. I think it would be really great to hear your philosophy and our philosophy at GSB on how strategic planning um, should go and what it's for and and uh, why it's important. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. We've all had bad strategic planning experiences. We've all sat in the room where we weren't sure what the outcomes were. And, and I'll start here. The world is full of beautiful 60-page strategic plans that sit on a shelf gathering dust and never get used. And and that's the outcome, right? That's a lesson not only for governance, but that's a lesson for volunteerism. That's a lesson for donors. When we ask people to do things and then the product of their work has no value, it it creates that bad sense uh, in in them or that that bad taste in their mouth for, for what they've done like it was a waste of time. You know, uh, strategic planning in the, in the outcome of a strategic planning process, the, the idea that you have a plan, that plan should be a living, breathing document that's held in the hands of staff on an ongoing, regular basis, uh, that's updated uh, when, when the parameters of the life change that the board uses, that the board uses to determine what's most important in the life of the organization and when the world changes, is able to make good decisions and to truly be nimble. I hear organizations all the time say, oh, we want to be nimble. But what they mean by that is we don't want to have any parameters. And so we're easily blown by the wind. Mm -hmm. When a good strategic plan is in place, and when that plan is concise and in formats that it can be used, and when it's a living and breathing document, then the guideposts that come out of there keep an organization focused on true north, And when the world's parameters change, allow the organization to make decisions and intentional changes rather than being blown by external forces. So, you know, today we don't want a strategic plan uh, that is bound and leather covered and looks great, right? Sitting on the desk. 
We want a document that's dirty, that gets in the hands of people, and that's easily updated and owned by the people um, that are are shaping the day-to-day work and owned by governance um, in a way that allows them to shape the future. Yeah, well, that that's absolutely excellent. Um, I love that dirty, um, a document that's dirty. That's a great analogy. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've um, started out with a client and asked for a copy of their strategic plan and they don't know what to give me. Um, they don't know where to go with that or what that's for, they're, which means they're clearly not um, using it as a guidepost mm-hmm. um, and, and following through on that. So um, I really appreciate that. So what, uh, I mean, thinking about a dirty document, (laughs) thinking about a document that people can use and um, that they're looking at and referring to and acting from, um, what does that look like? What's in a strategic plan if it's not this 60 page leather bound (laughs) sitting on a shelf somewhere yeah and and to be clear what i was talking about when i said a dirty document i'm thinking the the construction plans as we build a building right that have to be in your hands uh that are gathering dirt because you're handling that document in some some space as opposed to you know the historic pristine version of the of the constitution that's behind lead glass and, and protected from dust, right? When we go into a strategic plan, I divide a strategic plan into two parts um, in the end document. The first part is identity. And the second part is the actionable portion of the plan. We often want to jump to that actionable portion because we want our list of to-dos, but jumping to that actionable portion without getting your identity in place first it's like getting in your car and saying, hi, I wonder where I'm going to go today, right? Uh, you turn the key, you start driving. Sometimes you end up someplace really great. Sometimes you end up someplace where you got to lock the doors. But either way, you use fuel to get there. And as an organization, the people that are listening to us today, they their number one resource, right, is their human capital. And behind that, their, their dollars that they spend towards their mission. And we don't have excess human capital and excess dollars to waste driving places that we don't want to be. So we have to start with that identity. Uh, we have to get that identity in place, right? Just like in the Olympics, you get one false start before you DQ'd because when you false start, you waste everybody else's energy and you burn the trust quotient in the process. So we've got to have that identity there. So what's in the identity portion? Well, that's your mission, your vision, your core values. Uh, so, you know, that's built off the history of the organization, built off the SWOT analysis for folks that want to geek out on process, built off appreciative inquiry, right? But mission, what are we going to do in the world? Mm-hmm. What does our organization exist to do? It's an actionable item and there's keys to a great mission that I'm sure we'll talk about in other places. But mission, what's what are we going to accomplish in the world? Vision, what does the world look like when we accomplish our mission and core values? What are the boundaries uh, that our organization lives in? And if we're ever outside of those boundaries, then we're not the, the organization we said we were. So that's our identity. And once we've got that to a place where it's, it's solidified and it's in its time and its place, then we turn to the actionable portion of a plan. And, and that actionable portion of the plan usually has different levels of the plan. Uh, usually there are some verticals, some titles, uh, if you will. Um, if you're a, a, a nonprofit organization, you might call these key result areas or key focus areas, three to five 
verticals, three to five titles um, that you're using to determine um, the the biggest rocks of your plans and things you're you're focusing on. Maybe they're fundraising, maybe they're uh, a capital campaign or a branding initiative, maybe they're staff, something at a very high level uh, in the life of your plan. Underneath each one of those verticals, uh, you're going to have goals. Uh, there's no hard and fast number, but your goals are where you get a little more into the big rocks that have to move to accomplish uh, the, the, the focus areas of the organization. By the way, if you're a church or an organization that's more faith-based, call these ministry result areas, right, and goals as you move down into that space. And then at the, the bottom of that plan is, is the the tacticals, the objectives is what I call them, those day-to-day operational things that are, are, are a part of accomplishing. So when we accomplish an objective, we make progress towards a goal. When we accomplish a goal, we make progress towards a, a key focus area, key result area. When we make progress on a KRA, we make progress towards our mission. And of course, if we ever see our vision, then it's time for a new mission, right? So planning is a, a cyclical process. And in these, keeping in mind these two uh, sides of a plan, the identity and the action, the action uh, portion of a strategic plan is going to be restructured every few years in your planning process, right? You're going to have a a time of of assessment. You're going to have a time of planning. You're going to have a time of implementation. But the but the identity portion is only going to change, right? Um, at key moments in the history of the organization, when either the ground uh, uh, changes incredibly around the organization or when you've accomplished your vision, uh, something in that way. Um, so it you don't always have to go back to that ground level uh, as you're making those plans. And of course, that actionable portion uh, of the plan is where you you see all of those things that we hear about, like um, SMART goals, right? Where you have measurables in these places. And why do we measure? We measure so we can celebrate. Um, you know, people are sometimes so worried about measurement, but but success builds success. And so having milestones along the way that we can mark and say, look where we've come, gives that organization a sense of forward progress. Uh, it's where we put uh, assigned parties in, you know, or um, the, I call them champions. And a champion for each goal or each objective doesn't have to be the person that does it. It's the person that's ensuring that that thing gets done uh, in the process, right? It's where we put timelines in. Uh, And by the way, my favorite part of strategic planning with organizations is the first iteration of the plan usually comes back. um, You know, the the first iteration of the plan usually comes back with everything being due in the first six months of the plan. And it's a three-year plan, right? So what are are you going to do for the the next 24 months uh, along the way? Um, I want to back up just a second and say, um, as we're thinking about what's in a strategic plan, uh, the outcome of a, of a plan and what it looks like is important to keep in mind. And I'd say there's there's kind of two forms of a plan at the end of the day in, in a modern strategic plan. In a modern strategic plan, you have a publicly um, available form of the strategic plan that focuses on your identity, focuses on the key focus areas or key result areas and some of the major goals in your organization. It's there to inspire donors, to inspire volunteers, to uh, keep the organization focused on the horizon. 
Then you have an internal plan. And when I talk about that dirty document in our hands, I, I actually do this in Excel or Google Docs or another spreadsheet document where I have all of this laid, each key result area on one tab, a separate tab and goals underneath that and objectives underneath that. And I actually have folks just reporting up red, yellow, green. Now, if you're a more complex organization and you've got project management software, great, build that into your project management software. But you don't have to be NASA to use your strategic plan in a way that puts it in the hands of your staff and has regular report ups at different oscillations for staff and for, uh, you know, uh, C-suite level staff and for um, uh, governance in, in the life of the organization. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of information, Evan, but it is uh, so important. Um, it, and so let me just, um, let me just come back with a couple things, um, breakdowns for, um, for our listeners. So there are two parts of the strategic plan. There's the identity and the actionable. Um, and uh, I really appreciate, and I mean, I've seen some of your strategic plans done my own. Um, having that spreadsheet where each goal has its own tab and all of the tactics um, as you refer to them and the champions, the people who are gonna help make sure that happens in the timeline and how much it costs and all those things are really helpful um, for moving people forward. And I think that's what's really important. So when we talk about you know a leather bound document on a desk somewhere that looks really pretty, that's really different from something that you can work off of and you can measure your, your actions, you can measure your success, you can measure how it's going and where you need to change and pivot. And I think that's really important. Often um, when I am, you know, like I said, when I'm with clients and they don't know what their strategic plan is, they know what their to-do list is, but they don't know what their strategic plan is. And often the to-do list has more to do with treading water than thinking ahead and moving the organization forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the value of having this process of strategic planning is that it moves you out of treading water um, to thinking towards the future. Absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, what, what, what I say is it's, <laughs> it, what I say about this is it's, it's the, organizations are often pulled by the tyranny of the immediacy, right? Yes. That, that whatever the is on fire today gets, gets our attention, whether it's at a board level or, or a staff level. And, and what this does is prioritize um, the organization to be able to say, here's where we're going to, you know, strategic plan doesn't involve everything in the life of the organization, but it allows, it allows the organization to prioritize what's the most important thing that we're going to do. Um, and so, you know, think about governance. We've all been to a board meeting before, right? We, we walk in, uh, we're called to order, uh, we're, we, you know, then we're going to uh, uh, approve the minutes and everybody blows the dust off their book and reads the minutes together collectively because they haven't done it before they came into the room. That's right. a different session, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> governance, but, but they, you know, and, and then we approve the minutes and then we, we receive the financials and then, you know, there's a report from the CEO or the executive director. And then, you know, by the time we get to uh, uh, new business, we're out of time. And, and the board hasn't really done anything strategic or generative. All they've done is their fiduciary. Well, what if we flipped that script, right, with a strategic plan? And the most important things were the things that led our work, 
as a board and ensured that, um, you know, the board's work was truly generative and strategic, uh, along with fiduciary. Okay, that that was a lot of content, but it was great and helpful content. Um, I hope our listeners are not feeling overwhelmed (laughs) before they get to question three. Um, But they can always go back and listen again, right? Friends, you can always go back and listen again and take notes um, if you find that helpful. Um, But also, I should just say, you can also have access to Evan um, to walk through this with you in the Center for Generosity. Um, So that's also an option. Okay, so question three, Evan. That's a lot of uh, content that comes out of that. And clearly there are steps and processes to get to that final product or deliverable um, as we like to call them. And so what do you think is the most critical step um, for, for getting them there? Yeah. So a strategic planning process does a number of things. You know, we've talked about it in its best life, but Throughout a process, buy-in is easier than permission. And by buy-in, we mean getting people involved in the planning process. And so the most critical part of any planning process is the listening. What happens often is leaders jump to the list-making based on their own knowledge, and they never take time to listen outside of themselves. And if a planning process is cyclical and we're only doing this every couple of years, it's important to take time to listen. So the listening processes, whatever formats they take, whether we're gathering people into a room, using a survey, doing deep dive interviews, whatever's right in the course of that organization, that listening not only provides input into the process, it provides buy-in from the constituencies that you need buy-in from. And it lets you in the planning process create testing spots where you point back and say, we asked this and you said this. And so we did this and you said this. And then when you get to that point where governance is ready to approve a plan, there's no worry about where people are in the process because they've been involved in the process. And so that listening not only shapes us differently, helps us take away our organizational biases and those things we presume to be true, those false realities, Uh, But it also creates the people that are coming along with us, because in that plan, you're going to have something you need to do, whether it's raise money or uh, engage volunteers or take on the next thing. And if the people that you want in that stage have been part of your process, they're going to be ready to come along with you. So turn, turn your energy to listening. Yeah. And I think it's interesting as you're talking about that, I'm flashing um, situations in my mind and you know, situations where um, a CEO or executive director has been so excited for the future and can see exactly where they want to go. And they're so pumped and energized and ready. And the board is blessed to have them because they have all that energy and excitement. Um, And they're probably pretty accurate about where they need to go, but taking the time to do that listening will create that buy-in so they have help along the way. So they don't have to carry it with their own energy the whole time through the process. Um, And what a gift to that um, leadership person to have everybody in their corner because everybody's on the same page. And then the flip side of that is 
somebody who knows exactly where they think they need to go and doesn't care what everybody else says. And we're not going to listen because this is where we're going. Right. And I, I think what's beautiful about the process and lifting up the listening piece of it as the most important part is that it removes us from ourselves and it allows us to share the work that we do together um, and it not be dependent on one particular person. Um, and so I'm, I, I appreciate that answer. I think that's really great. Um, I, I do want to do just a smidge little dive, like a three plus here. Um, if our listeners will, um, will be okay and indulge me a little bit. Um, I can imagine um, we have listeners in large organizations and small organizations or in churches or in nonprofits and different kinds of um, organizations, I imagine, um, are thinking, well, is this the same for me? How does it work for us if we're this size? So could you just speak to how the process might or if it's different with a different size and different type of organizations? Absolutely. And it's a great question. At its, at its fundamental basis, the portions of a strategic plan are the same. Uh, the processes, uh, you know, as, as far as what you need to do to develop the planning uh, in wide scope are very similar, but it does take different shapes in different organizations. Uh, the, more, the larger your organization and the more complex your staffing models and your funding models are going to be, uh, likewise, the more complex your operational models are going to be at the bottom and the more staff involvement is going to be needed in order to build out the true tactical base level of the plan. Those, those high level key focus areas, those high level major outcomes are still going to be driven uh, you know, by a planning team, by the board of directors and the mission, vision, core values are still going to be there at a governance level. But that operational day-to-day -day tactical piece will be distributed and how you build that will be different. Smaller organizations that have maybe one staff person or a few staff people or maybe no staff people, they're not going to need to build those tacticals quite as deeply and their, their governance, their planning team is going to have more involvement uh, in that space. It, it also changes the listening a little bit because the more complex your organization as you come into this process, the more thoughtful you have to be about where you're getting input from uh, in those spaces, whether it's just external input or whether there's internal input as well. And of course, there's an art to building those teams. I, I think the key mistake that large organizations make is that they think they've got all the expertise in-house and they don't bring any board members or key external uh, constituents along with them. Uh, I think that the, the core mistake that small organizations make is that we don't need to plan because we all know what we're doing and, and yeah. we, we all understand where we are. Yeah, that's well said. Well said. Um, okay. So <clears throat> that was awesome. Evan, thanks. Um, thanks for being here. Um, it was, it's really helpful um, to have your knowledge and expertise um, answering these questions. Um, and this is actually our last week in our board development series. Um, we finished on a high note here. Um, and next week, friends, we are going to start a new series, um, a crisis management series. Um, the series that we hope you don't feel like you need to listen to because you're not in crisis, but that you should listen to so you don't get yourself into a crisis. Um, which is exactly how we're going to start. Um, 
our friend um, and uh, GSB consultant, um, Ann Rick McFarland, is going to be with us to start our first week of that series on risk assessment and how to assess the risk inside of your organization and offer tools and great advice for that. And so we hope you will be back with us next week. If you, um, if you found value in what you heard today, even if you're going to have to go back and listen again, so you can take notes, how about leaving us a review um, on whatever streaming service you're using so that others can know that this has value and it might have value for them as well and share it with those in your circle we all know that in the nonprofit world, word of mouth is the best way to spread the word. And so we invite you to share this with others who, who maybe need to be thinking about a strategic plan or who you've had a conversation with about that. Remember, you can always find us at thecenterforgenerosity.com where you will have access to accountability, focus, tools, and plans to help grow generosity to your organization. You have an impact. Let's make sure that the world knows about that so they can support your mission and your passion as well. With a monthly subscription to the center, you get exclusive access to regular roundtable discussions with our consultants like Evan and Anne, who you'll hear from next week, and access to office hours with them. So you don't have to go at any of this alone. You will have ongoing access to documents and videos that train and outline best practices for CEOs, office, development officers, volunteers, and board members. And we have new master classes being added on a regular basis that are deeper dives into a lot of these topics. So visit thecenterforgenerosity.com today and subscribe so that you have access to all these things. Evan, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. As always, great to be with you, Mitzi. And until next time, friends, thanks.